So I was on some social media outlet recently, uh, and there was a picture, and on that picture, on that picture, it had a caption that I shouldn't read in church, you know, WT, and then there's another letter. So I, I won't put up the picture, but the picture was of an elevator panel, right? And the panel was taken off, and it showed what was behind the panel. So there was a bunch of wires coming out of all the different buttons, except for the closed door button. There was nothing behind the closed door button. Nothing. So it got my mind racing. You guys know I can, I can go into a rabbit, rabbit hole, can't I? So I got my mind racing. I'm thinking, so this button that everybody pushes, like they push it thinking to themselves, something's going to happen, right? I'm going to close this door. I'm in a hurry. I'm in control. I have authority. I'm pushing the button. The doors are closing. Now we know there's always a little bit of a delay, but we still think that we have authority over when the elevator goes up and down. And, and, and all the meanwhile, we don't even know that there's actually something behind this, this button that we're pushing, right? I started thinking, how many elevators around the world? Like, I started sympathizing with the caption. Like, how many elevators around the world have nothing behind the closed door button? You ever think about that? Maybe everybody all across the world, they're pushing this button, they're trying to be somewhere, and there's actually no power behind this button at all. That's what I started thinking. I know, I know, remember, I go into rabbit trails and rabbit holes all the time. So, but this is what I'm thinking. And then I started thinking, is that how the American church operates? That we think we're pushing this button, we think there's some sort of authority happening, but there's no authority happening? Or I started thinking, how many followers of Jesus don't even know the authority that lives inside of them? And what if we operated in that authority? That authority we just heard about. What if, we, what if we lived with that authority? What if every person sitting in every pew, in every chair, uh, it doesn't matter if they're in leadership or not, doesn't matter if they went to seminary or not, what if we started operating in our authority? And I think that's what Jesus offers us today. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for that word. We thank you that this authority is unseen, that we've never seen it before that it casts out demons, that it, it raises people from the dead, that it raises us from the dead. We think that this authority gives us identity. It gives us strength. It, help, it helps us move. Would you give us that authority today? Each and every soul in this room, I don't care how many insecurities we brought in. I don't care how far along we are in understanding the gospel. I don't care if it's our first day in church or our 300th. We, we just... We just ask that you will give us that authority. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Would you guys turn with me to Mark 121 this morning? Mark 121, welcome back to our series in Mark. By the way, we're going to have more spoken word where that came from. One of our core values is that uh, we're going to give it back. And what it is is that every one of you has been given giftings. Uh, every one of you have, has been given artistry. Uh, there's something that lives inside of you. Uh, maybe, maybe it's even money. That, that, that's meant to, whatever it is, God has given you it in abundance, and it's meant to be given back to God for his glory, right? Just like uh, any artist that you can think of, whenever they use their voice and it's not for Jesus, that voice, that thing, uh, that, that artistry was meant to be given to Jesus. When someone has an abundance of finances, uh, that, that, those, that, those, that abundance 
even that poverty was meant to give to Jesus. All of it is meant to, to be given to Jesus. And so we're going to call the artistry, the giftings, uh, the power out of each and every one of you. You don't all have to come on stage, but we're going to call it out of you. Because whatever you have was meant to be given to Jesus. Even if it, even it's the, the gift of servitude, right? You love to be behind the scenes, just spreading butter on bagels. Uh, not everybody loves that. But you do. You love to serve people. Th- that was meant to be given to Jesus for his glory. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, so, so we're going to be doing that more often. Uh, my man Jose is up in a couple weeks, whether he likes it or not. All right. Uh, Mark one we We're going verse by verse through the entire book of Mark, the entire gospel of Mark. Let's read this together. Uh, and they were in Capernaum. Lots of ways to say that. They were in Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who has authority and not as the scribes. I want you to take note here that these people hear a lot of teaching. The scribes, the Pharisees, they teach these people all the time. Matter of fact, it's a small fishing town, uh, but there is some Greek influence. I don't know how much Greek influence there is. The New Testament is written in Greek. I can't can't tell you with positivity that these people uh, are fully infused with Greek culture, but uh, Greek culture, on a Friday night, they would go out and just hear a dude speak or a woman speak. Right, on philosophy, on, on physics, on whatever they were an expert in, they would get up, because they didn't have you know, the Lion King on Broadway or a 3D movie, so they would get up on stage, and an order is what they called them, they would speak about life, and people would do that on a Friday night. These people are used to hearing someone speak. They're used to hearing the scribes teach the scriptures, or, or at least quote the scriptures, and yet Mark uses the word astonished. They're astonished. Now, Mark is a bit dramatic. We figured that out. He uses the word immediately 41 times, two times in this scripture. I don't think Jesus is doing a 4-4-40 into the synagogue here. Okay, he's just trying to say he went from one place to the other really quickly. He's a little bit dramatic, but we can, we can deduce from this, like, they're astonished at his, one word, authority. That's kind of crazy. You've got to put that in your pocket for later. And immediately there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. That's it. Jesus doesn't do a dance. There's no potion. Doesn't even rhyme. Just says, shut it, come out. That's it. Seven words total, I believe. Don't don't count, because I might be wrong. But there's no panic. There's no panic in Jesus. There's no yelling in Jesus. Just with authority, uh, emphatically, shut your lips, come out. Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him, and they were all amazed. So they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this, a new teaching with authority? So, So they're amazed and they're astonished. Two big A words that I want us to remember. What What is this? teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits to obey him. And at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding areas of Galilee. Authority. I mean, that's what they took from this text. There's so much going on in this text. There's demons, demons coming out of people. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. Here's what they take from this. They take that there is this major authority that surrounds Jesus, that's in Jesus. Again, he tells the demon to put a sock in it. There's so much authority coming out of Jesus right now, and it's astonishing, and it's amazing. So, so let me attach 
uh, another scripture to this, because some scriptures just kind of give a little handshake to another scripture. Uh, and, and this is what Jesus says to some fishermen, to uh, some ta- a tax collector, to some good guys, uh, one bad guy at least. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. He gives it to them. Now, he's not saying I'm going to make you a phenomenal exterminator. That's not what's going on here. He's saying you have control over spiritual darkness and over physical darkness. And he's not done. Here's Luke 9. And he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over demons and to cure diseases. I don't know about you, but I want to live with authority. I want to live with authority. I mean, Jesus doesn't just say this authority is for these highly spiritual moments with demons and and spiritual darkness, but he says in Matthew 28, I have all the authority, God has given me all the authority, and so go and make disciples. Another one of our core values, right? Just go and make disciples. It should be infused in your everyday mission, in your everyday life. You should be living with this authority, and this authority should be astonishing, and it should be amazing. So let's do this. Okay, let's do this. Let's define this together. Let's define what what Mark means by authority. Then let's talk about the problem, because you guys know I like to get really negative first. I get negative first. Don't laugh too hard. I I see people laughing because they know I get really negative first. But then Jesus comes in and saves the day every time. That's that's the point. So let's talk about the the, the definition and then the negative. Um, Here's the definition uh, of the Greek word exousia. Can you all say that with me? It's a fun word. One, two, three. Exousia. Exousia, right? It's the power of choice the liberty of doing what one chooses. That's not what I wanted the definition of that word to be. I am bossy. Don't laugh at that either, people who know me. I am bossy. I like to be bossy. My daughter has inherited my innate nature of bossiness. Okay? It's what comes up. So I wanted that word to mean you get to boss people around. I also wanted it to mean you get to boss demons around. Because I think it would be really hood if I got to cast out demons, maybe NBC makes a, a pilot of it or possibly a mockumentary. I'm not telling them what to do, but that'll be some really great TV. They follow me around and I'm, I'm bossing around demons. That sounds pretty cool, but this is not what the word means. The word means that you have a power of choice, that you have freedom. It means assurance and freedom. It means you know who you are in Jesus. You know who Jesus is. You don't put on any masks. You don't have a bunch of insecurities. You're not living in lies, but you know exactly who you are. You are assured. You choose what you do. You choose in mission, and you have freedom. You don't have a bunch of addictions. You don't have a bunch of masks. You are who you are, and Jesus made you that way, and you are the most sanctified, the most Jesus version of you. That's authority. I want authority. Last week, I said I want to be a part of something. This week, I'm telling you, I I want that authority that Jesus promises. He just told the disciples, you can have it. It's not not forever. He wouldn't have picked a bunch of fishermen. If if he wanted to pick some elite people and say, you're elite, you have a lot of knowledge, you can have it, he would have. But he chooses some fishermen, some sea students, a tax collector, a sinner who was going to betray him. And he says, you guys can have this authority. I want this authority. Now, where's the problem? The problem is, how many people do you know are living with this authority? I'll wait. (laughs) How many people do you know? How many people do you know are just pressing the button? They think they have authority, but they don't really have authority. 
How many people do you know that are actually living as if they know who they are in Jesus? And they operate out of that confidence, out of that assurance, out of that freedom all the time. How many people do you know? I don't, I don't know a ton of people. And I'm not trying to be harsh on the church. I'm just trying to say, I don't know, I, I don't know if I had that myself. I definitely don't, I don't know a lot of people that operate in that authority, and, and, and that's the problem. Fear not, though. We're in a moment in time where Jesus says, I can give this to you, you can have it, here are my scriptures, here's my Holy Spirit, meet together, talk about this, and believe that I can give you what I said I'm going to give you. We can have this. And I'm going to ask you this question at the end, but I'm, I want to ask you it from the get, too. What in your life needs you to have authority over it? Where are you living in insecurity? Where are you living in a lack of obedience, in a lack of faithfulness? Because you have a bunch of masks on, you're living in a bunch of lies, and you don't have assurance and confidence and freedom. Target those things right now in your mind. Because by the end of the message, we want to start to get authority over those things. This is not, a, this is not the health and wealth gospel. This is Jesus saying, I said I can give this to you. Do you believe that I can give this to you or not? Because you can have it. It's available. All right, let's go back into the scriptures, dissect it together verse by verse, and find out where this authority is. And they went into Capernaum. Uh, there you go. And they went into Capernaum. And immediately on the, on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Okay, so, so Jesus walks up in this synagogue. And, and these are actually the ruins in Capernaum. Now, th these ruins, and these are pretty cool, it's, it's kind of the biggest ruins that we have, uh, some of the biggest ruins that we have. Uh, the, the ruins in Capernaum are, are probably third century, so this is probably not the actual building that Jesus uh, was teaching in, but it is probably built on the same plot as the first century temple. So Jesus could have been teaching right around this area. I just like pictures. I don't know. Uh, so I, I put the picture up there. But Jesus could have been teaching right out of this area. I, I don't know if he just grabs the pulpit and moves the priest or the scribe out of the way uh, and then just starts to preach. I don't know what happens there, but honestly, the, he walks in there like, okay, it's Jesus' time, and he starts teaching. He's, and they, what they say is he's got authority, and they don't. Now, why is that important? You've got to pay close attention to the scriptures. Why is it important that Jesus has authority, but they don't? Because they're the ones who are supposed to have all the authority. They're rich in three areas. Money, which we think gives us authority, right? They're rich in money. They're rich in knowledge. And they're rich in actual positional authority. These people had important jobs. They were the ones, there was at least one in every, time, in every town, the scribe was supposed to be an expert in the law, uh, like the Pharisees, and some of them moonlighted as Pharisees. Uh, like the Pharisees, they were supposed to memorize the first five books of the Bible, the Torah or the Pentateuch. Like the Pharisees, they were supposed to be able to teach it consistently, and also they had positional authority. Positional authority meaning they were allowed to sign your death certificate. They were allowed to sign your divorce certificate. They were, they were the ones who were allowed to sign your marriage certificate. Uh, 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 courting was different back in the day. When you were about to get married, that was more official. They were allowed to be in So these people have an abundance of authority. But they get up there and they're like, that dude has no authority. Jesus does. Jesus isn't rich. These people had long flowing robes. They had jewels. They actually looked like a Power Ranger. Right? They had jewels right here. They had jewels flowing off their robes. They get up there, they're, they're, they're rich, uh, and, and they are supposed to have authority. And yet they get up and they're like, those people don't have authority, but Jesus does. Why is that? 
It's because information does not mean transformation. That's why. Just because you have a wealth of information, it does not mean you're able to buy transformation. Think about it. These guys have a wealth. All the guys that Jesus argues with in the New Testament are, are, are riddled with information. They're chalked full. They're, they're, they're chubby with information. They have so much. And yet Jesus says, no, no, you're all wrong. None of you have transformation in the gospel. None of you have transformation in me. All you have is this positional authority. You know what positional authority is? It's not inspirational authority. It's not, it's not influential authority. It's when your boss comes up to you and he or she is like, I'm your boss, so do it. Right? They hold their position over you. You're like, wow, that's super inspirational, boss. Thank you for that. Right? That's positional authority. It's empty. It's pressing the button on the elevator and nothing is happening. And you can live like that for the rest of your life. And you can only try to gain positional authority or you can try to gain the authority that Jesus has. Which makes people move toward the gospel. Here's my big idea today. If you want to live with authority, you have to have the right chase. If you want to live with authority, you have to have the right chase. You have to chase the right things. If your only chase is information your power is going to be impotent. Your authority is going to be impotent. It's going to be empty. If you need an example, just look at the entire American church. I don't mean to, actually, I do mean to paint with a broad brush today. <laughs> the entire American church is, is pregnant with information. We have information whenever we want, however we want. If we want to skip church for two months and get the best preacher in the world online, we can do it like that. We are pregnant with information. We have as much information as we want, right? But yet we look around and we go, we don't really have power. There's no unction in the church. There's no power in the church. We don't feel like we're always going somewhere. We don't feel like, like, we're, we're, like we're the movement of Jesus. And that's because we're, we're just chasing after information, right? Maturity in the church does not look like faith-filled risks, it does not look like a better giving life. It does not look like serving uh, more with a, with a deeper heart. It does not look like more obedience. It looks like more information. And so if, I wanna, if I'm going to go deeper in Christ, I just go get more information. I go to the small group, and I don't go to the small group to, to pray for someone, to live with someone, to do life with someone, to eat with someone, uh, to, to sacrifice for someone. I go to the small group for more information. And if the small group doesn't give me the information that I want, I'm not going to go to the small group. I go to church not, not to serve, not to give somebody a bagel, not to disciple someone's kid and help, help disciple someone's kid in maturity. I don't go to church for that. I don't go to church to sacrifice. I don't go to church to be a part of a movement. I go to church to get more information. And so if that church packages the information the way that I want it to, if there's lights and there's smoke machines, and if the pastor does really great stories, and he's really emphatic, and then he's really quiet, then I'll be able to grip onto his message, and he packages the information I want it to, and then I'll have the information I need, and then I'll get really rich in Jesus. And we have a bunch of scribes dominating the American church. People chock full of information, but empty of power. No, I don't want to hate on the chase of information, right? Because God does say to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's important to have the knowledge of Jesus. It's important to attain information. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if that's your only chase, you're going to be empty. If your only chase is information, it will not equal transformation. Watch this. We, we can apply this with the scriptures, okay? 
Let me ask you some questions about the scriptures. You answer them in your own soul, in your own heart. When you sit down to study the scriptures, do you study the scriptures for more information or for more Jesus? Oh, big difference there. I hope you're studying the scriptures, okay? You can't be in a relationship with God if you don't listen to him, and his main avenue of speaking to you is the scriptures, Holy Spirit and the scriptures, okay? So when you sit down to study the scriptures, are you sitting down for more information or are you sitting down for more Jesus? Watch this one. When you sit down to study the scriptures, do you sit down to study the scriptures or do you sit down so the scriptures can study you? Huh? I mean, when you sit down and the scriptures are studying you and they're, they're kind of ripping you apart a little bit and you're like, oh, dang, that's me. And you're like, oh, dang, that's me too. Oh, that's me too. And you just fall on your knees and cry. That's when the scriptures are studying you. That's good. It feels icky, but it's good. Do you sit down and study the scriptures or do you sit down so the scriptures can study you? How about this? When you sit down to study the scriptures, hopefully you pray first. It's a good way to do it if, you're, if you learn how to study the scriptures. You sit down and pray first. Do you tell Jesus what kind of information you need? I've done it. Jesus, I need your answer on three points today. Here are my three points. Please answer them. I'm going to flip through the Bible and go. All right, Jesus. Uh, you missed it today. Do you, know, do you do that? Or do you sit down under the authority of God and say, God, you teach me however you want to teach me. However you want to teach me. Whatever you want to say to me, my heart is yours. I empty myself before you. You are my king. I humble myself in your service. Teach me what you want to teach me. It, it can, these are all subtle differences that make big changes. And the big change is, are you actually just chasing information? Or are you chasing transformation in Jesus and his authority? Which one is it? Um, watch Jesus, um, because I, first of all, I want to I make a point, and, and I'm only going to make two points today. Someone made fun of me last week. I always make three points. Uh, I feel like two is not enough. Four is too much. I'm just going to make two today. Just to prove them wrong, uh, it's good. I like, to, I like to be in competition. Here's my first point. If, if you want to make the right chase, the, the right chase looks like this. We need to chase after the location of our authority. That's the right chase. Chase after the location of your authority. Don't just chase after information. Chase after the location of your authority. And you're like, hey, Justin, I know where the, I know where the authority is. My authority is in God. Yes, but therein lies the problem. You think because you know the, the location of your authority that you actually went and got it. I know where California is. I never actually went and got it. I'd like to, but right now I can't afford it. It's, it's warm, I'm sure, but just because I know where it's at doesn't mean I went and obtained it. Just because you know the location of your authority doesn't mean you've actually went and, and attained it. Look, even Jesus knows where his authority lies. This is Jesus. For I've not come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is Jesus. Jesus is like, I'm not even coming to do my own stuff. I'm coming to do my father's because he's the authority. Even Jesus, no, he just, he just told a demon to shut his lips and move, and yet Jesus is saying, this is not my authority. This is the Father's. Jesus doesn't just know where the location of his authority is. He believes it in his soul that it's not him. And if you are honest with yourself, and I'm honest with myself, once we go past the sea of information and the river of knowledge, and we get to the depths of our soul, we actually believe that we are the location of our own authority. Be honest with yourself, church. I think I'm the location of my authority. 
And if you don't know how to get there, maybe you're, you're like, I don't know, really know how to get to follow that map to figure out where my authority lies and, and if I'm actually buying into Jesus. Think about this. Here's a great indication of your authority, uh, where your authority is. What are the size of your dreams? This struck me this week. What are the size of your dreams? The size of your dreams and the kind of dreams that you have are a great indicator of the location of your authority. Because if they're tiny, if your dreams are like, I just want to survive. I want to make a lot of money. I want to get through Monday. If those are the size of your dreams, I want to serve at church once every three months. I want to give 1% of my finances to Jesus. If those are your dreams, back up and ask yourself, are those God-sized dreams? You see how that works? The location, or the size of your dreams, the type of dreams that you have, is a good indication of the location of your authority. That's a mouthful. If your dreams look like this, I want my entire floor, the entire floor that I work on, to see Jesus in me, and I want to see fruit this year that they see Jesus in me by, by the end of the year. That's a God-sized dream. I got a buddy, his dream is to give a million dollars to Jesus by the end of his lifetime. He started out homeless, just so you know. He wants to give a million dollars. So, so what if your dream was, I want to give $30,000 to Jesus this year. I want 37 people to eat at my dinner table who don't know Jesus this year. I, I know someone has a goal. I want to be at church every single Sunday this year. And I realize these are all goals that like, are supporting the church, but just stick with me, okay? These, these are God-sized goals. You're like, Justin, I can't accomplish, accomplish those. Perfect, because your authority doesn't lie in you. So if your dreams are big enough where they're dependent on the authority of God, then you know the location of your authority. How perfect is that? Look, we do this as a church. Last week, I, I mentioned some of, our, some of our dreams as a church, uh, some of our vision in five years, uh, and so I'm going to mention them again. Because uh, one of our, our, our oversight team members let me know that there's more. We, we, we forgot to mention some of them. Okay, we want to see a missional community in every major neighborhood in Jersey City. Justin, we only got two in Jersey City right now and one outside of Jersey City. How are we going to do that in five years? We can't, right? That's the point. The point is we can't. We want to see two church plants birthed out of City Life Church. Meaning, we want these to be, I'm not talking about no satellite campus. I'm not talking about no Chick-fil-A campus. Right, where I get put on some screen somewhere and you put me in HD. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about we want two more autonomous churches in Jersey City or New York City in, in five years. Justin, look how many people are. We, we can't do that. Perfect. Perfect. We can't do that. We want to see 75% of our people giving their time, talent, and treasures. You know what the average is for people giving in America? It ain't that. I don't have a stat, which is why I said it ain't that. We want to see quarterly major uh, and monthly minor outreaches at, at City Life Church. We want to see 85% of our people in missional communities. Come on, we can't do that. Perfect. Perfect. We want to see 85% of our people in discipleship relationships. Can't do that. Perfect. I went too far. I went too far. Tony, love me. All right. We want to see a refugee house or an apartment building in partnership with Welcome Home uh, come out of City Life Church. We ain't got enough money. Perfect. We want to see 130 people give their life to Jesus. You know how many gave last year? About 24, doing the, doing the hand raise thing. So how are we going to do 130 in like two years? We can't. Perfect. 
We want to see 100 people get baptized. You know how many people we baptized last year? Two. All right. We got 98 more to go. <laughs> Look, the point is, are these God-sized dreams or not? Is this in our own authority or not? Are we going to set small dreams? We want to see a couple people give their life to Jesus this year. That means our authority is in us, and I'm the only one preaching the gospel. No, I believe if we mobilize the however many people are here, and they're preaching the gospel, and they have God-sized dreams, and they have authority, then 130 is nothing. We better go back to the drawing board and start over, kick it up to 260. Let's just double it, right? I mean, if we're all hitting the town, if we're all hitting the city with the authority of Jesus Christ, is 100 people getting baptized enough? We must not have had enough faith in that room. You see, like the location of your, of your authority is really indicative of, of, of what your dreams look like. They're like, are my dreams small? Well, that would tell me I'm just operating in, in human authority. As a church, we want to operate in the authority of God. We want to know the location of our authority. Uh, there's a good question. Do you know the location of your authority, and do you actually believe it? Do you regularly remind yourself in God that you are incapable, but he is capable? regularly. Like that, that should happen on Monday and Tuesday. God, I ain't got this. Cindy is on my last nerve, uh, but I want to love her today. You said to love your enemies, and Cindy's near that. She's getting in enemy territory right now. All right? I'm, I'm picturing things I shouldn't, so I pray that I love Cindy. Matter of fact, let me buy her a muffin. Give me strength to buy her a muffin today. Like it should happen on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Do you regularly remind yourself that you are not your authority? Jesus is, and he has a lot more than you do. Here, here's another chase. We need to chase after the location of our authority, and we need to chase after the winning side. We need to chase after the winning side. It, it's my opinion that not enough followers of Jesus know that not only are they on the winning team, but they're on the team with the champion who already won. It's, it's already over. Closed book. It's not a goal of Jesus to win. He's already won. The forgiveness, the identity, the sonship, the daughtership, it's already theirs. It's, it's already there. It's already yours. The, the, the game is already over. I want to bring you back up this, this moment with the demon. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God, but Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent, again, seven words, be silent and come out of him. Also prevalent in this time uh, was spiritual warfare, witchcraft, demons, black magic, sorcery, you name it. Therefore, also prevalent was people on the other side to come against it. But what they used was things, techniques, right? Sticks, snakes, stones, oils, rhymes, they use techniques against black magic or to create their own black magic. Even the demon here uses a technique. It's common in spirit, uh, spiritual warfare for the person to call out the other person or the enemy's name. That's what the demon does here. I know who you are, Jesus of Nazareth. He tells them, I, know, I don't even know where you're from. He's using a technique. Jesus doesn't whip out a potion. I mean, I would have at least did a rhyme or something. Right? Maybe a manual rhyme or something. Here's my handle, here's my spout. Demon, you're whack. Come on, get out. Something. Pretty good, right? Something. 
Jesus doesn't do a dance. He doesn't do a twist. Moses even had a staff. He doesn't even use a staff. Seven words. The equivalent of that one song. Shut up and drive. Just bang. Just get out. That's it. He doesn't even break a sweat. Now this is not just because Jesus knows who he is. It's not just because he he knows his authority. It's because he knows he's on the winning team. He knows that not only is he on the winning team, not only do they have a winning strategy, but he is the winning strategy. He's going to die for humanity and resurrect. He knows it before it happens. Uh, I used to play college soccer, and I played for this uh, college named Nyack. Any Nyackers in the room? A couple Nyackers? Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> you guys are, like, depressed. Um, now they have a pretty cool mascot. It's the Warriors, all right? And it's red, white, and blue, and it's Warriors. That's cool. It's American colors. That's good. My freshman year, it was the Purple Pride, okay? Now, I got nothing against the color purple, but nobody really knows what Purple Pride means. It was actually on the top 10 worst names, David Letterman, worst college names. It actually happened. And so we'd show up to a game looking like Barney threw up on us, right? I mean, it was, it was raw. We'd show up there head to toe, purple headband. We're ready to go. Obviously, some teams had a field day with that, right? They had a field day. But you, do you know, like, the one thing that would just shut it down? The one thing, even if we do look like Barney threw up on us, the one thing that shut it down was when the game was almost over, and I could say one word, scoreboard. Okay, yeah, I, I'm dressed in purple from head to toe. I actually like purple, okay? But look at the scoreboard. I don't know if you saw it, but we won, right? Just, just one word. I mean, it's petty. I'm a college student. Get, get over it, okay? That's just petty. I mean, not only... Are we a part of the winning team? But it's, it's already over. Our identity is secure. That addiction that you have, Jesus can take that. He already has and possesses the power and the authority and the forgiveness to get you through that. Do you understand? Scoreboard. Like, it's, it's over. And if you can actually live in that, if you can actually breathe in that, let me give you a scripture that really breaks this out for me. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Scoreboard. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Who can win? We've already won. Who's got a bigger father? We got the biggest. Who's got a game to play? It's over. Scoreboard. And it's my opinion that not, not enough Christians actually know this deep down in their guts. And we walk around using victim language all the time. We walk around using depressed language all the time. I got nothing to offer. I got no way to get out of this. We just, this is the language we use. That doesn't sound like someone who can point at the scoreboard. Who cares if we're wearing purple from head to toe? We got this. I believe that God wants to start to break you out this morning of something that you are caught up in, that you are a victim to, because you are not a victim to that thing. You are not the loser. 
whatever voices are inside your head that people have provided in your past. People have said you're not good enough. People have said you're not going to make it. People have said you're the, you're the dumbest of this clan or the, the worst of this clan. or Maybe some of it has come from our siblings, our parents, our dearest friends. And all these voices are speaking into our head right now. This is who you are. And this is what team you're a part of. And I think if you let God speak into your heart today, he'll tell you who you really are. I'm not a victim. You're not a victim. You are purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. And the game is already over. Now you just get to live for him in his authority, with his authority. I got one more that's not up there. It was three in the end. <laughs> um, <laughs> we need to chase an understanding of the Holy Spirit. We need to repent of the last 25 years of neglecting the Holy Spirit. Because he is the one who reminds us every day who Jesus is, who we are, what authority we have. He is the one who lives with us. So not only do we need to repent of that, but we need to ask Holy Spirit to fill us. We've been talking about this recently a lot because I do believe this is the turning point of the church is the repentance of the neglect of the Holy Spirit and the buying into how Holy Spirit wants to fill us regardless of what it means for our reputation or what we look like or if we're still the cool Christian who wears cool clothes and doesn't do weird embarrassing things right these are some chases what are you chasing and then back to the question from the beginning what in your life needs authority right now? Needs your authority in Jesus Christ, his authority to, to breathe in you, out of you, over that thing. I'm not saying it's going to be, worship team, come up here. I'm not saying it's going to be a rap. It's going to be quick that you're going to say, be done. Right? I'm not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is when you start to live in your new identity, as a follower of Jesus, as a son of Jesus, as a daughter of Jesus, with the truth of Jesus, when you start to live with that authority, things happen. Chains are broken. All right, let's pray. God, would you break every chain? Would you break every chain? We repent that we have neglected a whole person of the Trinity because it scares us, the kind of power that exists in you. And we kind of want to keep our American dream mask on so that Holy Spirit thing doesn't really vibe with our mask. We repent of that. We want all of you for all of who you are. We want all of your authority. We repent and, and confess that we're scared of your authority because it means that we're going to have to take risks. I pray that this congregation, that this family would be risky. That we would take faith-filled risks. That we would call out big dreams. And then we would meet those dreams with your power and your authority and our participation. All the lies that are creeping in to my brothers and sisters' hearts right now, the things that people have spoken over them, the victim words, the lack of authority words, I pray that all of those would crumble to the ground and go to hell right now in the name of Jesus. And that your words, your authority, your power, your victory would reign in this place. 
Whatever, whatever addiction people are thinking in their mind right now, I don't have what it takes. I pray that right now you would say, good, I got what it takes. I pray that we would be a people with your authority at our right hand. Fill us. Fill us, Jesus. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Make us different. Make us new. Would you stand up with me? Would you do something with me? If you believe that Jesus' authority is available to you today, would you just whisper to him, I believe? Just tell him you believe. Just open yourself up. Really sing this song. We don't care if you can sing. At least 50% of us cannot sing. That's okay. We're not here to prove that Jesus made us all good singers. We're here to prove that the authority of God rests in this room. And so we're going to worship. We're going to give you glory, Jesus. We trust you, Jesus, with the most intricate and deep, vulnerable parts of our heart. We trust that you can win. One more thing, one more thing. Whenever there's preaching students that, that come to our classes and whatnot, and, and we have about nine, and we've got people kind of infiltrate through, and there's always these nerves that, I mean, public speaking is like the, the, the biggest fear that people, it's like death and then public speaking. It's like crazy that people are, they fear this. That, but there's, there's a reason I don't, and I think this, is, this attaches to your life. There's a reason I don't fear ever getting up here. And it's not because I'm a good public speaker. Because I told you, I, I, the first time I publicly spoke, it was the worst thing that anybody has ever said, ever. Um, it's because Jesus wants to speak. His word is alive. He wants to talk. All I got to do is open my mouth. And this applies to every, everywhere you go to minister about Jesus. You don't have to worry about who you are. You don't have to worry about that. You just have to open your mouth. He wants to speak. He wants his authority come, to come out. So the only thing you got to do is get your fears out of the way in Jesus' name and just do it for him. If he's telling you to give something, then give something. If he's telling you to serve somewhere, then serve somewhere. Don't let, There's no fear in Jesus Christ. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's better. Come on, church. He's better. He's alive. He's open to loving you and moving you and choosing you. He wants it all. He wants you to know that. Let his words speak to your heart today. Let him make you someone new. Come on, church. Feel Jesus. Feel the Holy Spirit. He wants to do something inside of you. He wants to offer you his authority. He doesn't want you living in fear and insecurity. You're purchased, you're loved, your son, your daughter. He loves you and he likes you. Whatever people have said about you, it does not win. Jesus wins. It's not just that love wins. It's that Jesus wins because he is the love. Close down your pride during this worship set. Close it down. Shut it down in the name of Jesus. Shut it down and worship Jesus with all of your being because his authority can pour out on you today in Jesus' name.